As we gather next week, we will be celebrating the solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. But if we were celebrating ordinary time, we would hear the continuation of the Bread of Life discourse. And so I just want to uh, kind of give you a preview of what we would have heard next week, because uh, I think we, it helps us to talk about uh, what, what I need to talk about or feel like I need to talk about today, having that wider reading. So we continue with Jesus saying, I am, uh, well, it ends with the same, and, and they begin to quarrel among themselves again, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus says, whoever, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have life within you. My flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. And the, between these two gospel passages that we would have divided up by, by these weeks, we have a growing antagonism, perhaps, is the word towards what Jesus is saying. How can he come down from heaven? Uh, we know, despite what our modern culture might say or whatever, we did not exist before we began to receive life in our mother's womb at conception. We were not souls disembodied floating out there somewhere. I've referred uh, a few, few times ago about a particular movie by Disney called Soul, that that's exactly the perception that they have, that we're, we're souls waiting for a body. That is not true. We do not begin to exist until that moment of conception when soul and body are created. But God knowing, though, knows us as only God can do because he stands outside of time. And so they're asking the question, how can it be that this one began to exist, came down from heaven before he began to exist? If you think about that too long, it might blow your mind, but it's not as hard as we might think. Because he's not just a man. Yes, he's fully human, 100%, but he is God too. And as God, he existed before all time. He's co-eternal with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And that he's already hinting towards that coexistence with God as God, with God the Father. So he comes down from heaven, takes flesh, and then his flesh is transformed and given to us. Now, how can he do that? We would hear next week. How can he do this? After all, there's an injunction against eating flesh, drinking blood, even touching blood in the Jewish uh, practice of the faith would make one unclean, so, so much so that at that time they could not go into the temple until they were properly purified. How can he give us his blood to drink? And he, this doesn't make sense. And notice what Jesus doesn't do in either today's passage or I didn't hold too much back of next week. He doesn't say, well, wait a minute, you're not understanding me. I'm not talking literally. I did not literally come down from heaven. I'm not talking literally my flesh and blood. I'm talking some kind of significance. He doesn't tell them that. In fact, each time... He gets stronger, more exact in his language. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And that word that's translated eat here is almost an understatement for what it really is. 
The word is used for animals as a gnaw on bone. It's animalistic. It's, it's a full act. It's not just a, a figurative kind of thing. It's to gnaw on, to continue to chew on. There's this, this ongoing quality to it. Unless you do this, you will not have life, Jesus says. He doesn't pull his punches. He doesn't say, well, you know, it's just a symbol, it's just a sign. No, it is what he says it is. And as I said last week, and I'll repeat, Jesus in the Last Supper of John is not recorded as giving them the Eucharist. Rather, he gives them what the Eucharist calls us toward, charity, as he bends and washes the feet of the apostles. But John has a higher Eucharistic theology than the Matthew, St. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Because in this Bread of Life discourse, he's telling us what this Eucharist is. Well, we have it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Take, eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. And if we put these together, John and the giving of the Eucharist narratives, we begin to understand it's not just a sign. It's not just a symbol. It really is what he says it is. And as I said, for 1,500 years, the Church United proclaimed this, understood that this is, that the, the Eucharist is the body of Christ, is the blood of Christ, is Christ. For 1,500 years, undivided, except by the heretics. And usually they had other errors that made it clear that it wasn't just on their teaching on the Eucharist that made them suspect, but other things. One I like to pick on, the Gospel of Thomas, so-called Gospel, was not written by Thomas. It was written in about 150, way after Thomas died. Towards the end, one of the apostles points to Mary Magdalene and says, what about her? Can she be saved? Oh yes, Jesus says, but first she must become a man. Wait, record scratch, what? There were other heresies there. But those that built their theology and led to, that led to the theology or the uh, Gospel of St. Thomas would understand the Eucharist is not what Jesus Christ says it is. We get in all sorts of debates now, and I, I have to admit, I give the Jewish people of, of uh, John 6 some credit. They at least were murmuring, asking, what is this? What is this? And as we'll hear in two weeks, there, was a, there were some very different responses to what Jesus was saying. But they're asking, what is this? And now, too often we don't ask, what is this? Or maybe the better question, definitely, definitely the better question is, who is this? No, instead we have this kind of vague understanding that it's somehow important that we gather and we do what we do when we come to Mass. Or for our non-Catholic brothers and sisters that when they celebrate the Lord's Supper. But unfortunately, too often we've reduced it to the symbol. Well, this is a sign of. Or we do this in memory of. So when we do it, we call to, we call to mind. When the Jewish worldview, to call something to mind was not just to remember, 
but was for, to be drawn back to that original event. When Jesus says, do this in memory of me, he's saying, you're being drawn back, and you're allowing what is about to happen on the cross to have influence of, on today. This is something that can occur only, if, of course, if God allows it. Jesus is telling us that this is his body, his blood, which is going to be sacrificed on the cross at the Last Supper, which was sacrificed on the cross for us. And we might right, rightfully ask, how many Eucharists are there? Actually, that's a wrong way of phrasing it, because there's only one. It's only one Eucharist. And we come to Eucharist time and time and time again, yes, but it's only one Eucharist. That this Mass, we, in a way, stand outside of time and we receive Jesus Christ again, the one who offered himself on the cross. A few years ago, when I was in seminary, one of the courses I had, we had to go to a non-Catholic service and to kind of break it apart. It was a course on liturgy. And I and uh, three others were assigned to go to the Episcopalian Cathedral in Minneapolis. And that particular Sunday happened to be a Sunday where they celebrated the Lord's Supper. It was a low church Episcopalian, which kind of blew my mind. It's a cathedral after all, but... And right before the, the communion line began, the announcer said, all who, are, uh, who desire can come forward and receive. And I stayed in the pew. My three other classmates, who were not seminarians, I of course was at that time, kind of reported me to the priest teacher. And he kind of knew me well enough to say, well, why did you do that? I said, well, from what I understand, they understand that what the Lord's Supper is only a symbol. It's only a sign. And from what I understand, the even non-baptized can receive. If all it is is a sign, all it is is a symbol, I don't want any part of it. Not only that, but I believe the Eucharist makes us the church. I was really pleased when Pope St. John Paul II in his last encyclical reminded us of that. The Eucharist makes us the church. Sometimes we think we're the church, we gather, we do this. It's us doing this work. No, it's Jesus Christ doing the work who draws us into this Mass, draws us into this Eucharist, makes the Eucharist happen for us once again, and then makes us the church by our reception. If we don't believe what the church believes, who are we to receive what the church gives to make us the church. If we stand outside the church's teaching, we need to discern, are we really committed to enter this union? I didn't have the same faith as the Episcopalians and the others gathered that day so long ago. Just to make it clear, I went to Mass the night before, so I, did, I made my weekend thing. But the same thing is true every once in a while I hear, well, I think everyone should receive the Eucharist. Or lately we've been hearing, well, the Eucharist is not a prize for the saints, but a, a medicine for the sinners. While that might be true, there is a better way of saying it. The Eucharist is the divine physician 
who heals us. And if it is a medicine, we have to remember that with some diseases, certain medicines make the disease worse. St. Paul would tell us, discern. Some people receive the Eucharist to their detriment because they are not discerning, am I prepared? I've used the analogy before, most of us have somebody that we would deeply, deeply appreciate and would love it if they would come to our house, if you want to imagine the Pope or the President or whoever it is, imagine briefly with me, what would you do? How many of us would go home and make a clutter of our mess? Versus how many would go home and start cleaning? I have to admit that the person that I would most want to visit with were coming to my house, I'd be on my hands and knees with a toothbrush. I'd want to make it spotless. The same is true if this Eucharist is Jesus Christ. Are we really preparing our hearts and minds to receive him? That doesn't mean we're perfect. And thank God for the sacrament of reconciliation. Thank God for that gift that we can go and confess our sins and say, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm striving, Lord, and I want to receive you in the Eucharist. And that Eucharist then, yes, is remedy for our sin. Gives us the strength, gives us the food, as we hear in today's first reading. It's, it's a foreshadowing of the Eucharist. Get up, eat, lest the journey be too long for you. Without the Eucharist, this day would be too long for me. Without the Eucharist, I would not have the strength to do what I do. I can guarantee, if you're really aware, you would not have that ability either. I know it's a bad, really bad pun, but a week without the Eucharist, or seven days without the Eucharist makes one week. It does. We need Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gives us his body, his blood, so that we will have life, not only in this world, because this world is going to end, and our life in this world will end, but for eternity. This is the remedy for death. This is a remedy for sin. He is a divine physician. Let us discern well, am I prepared? Again, we see politicians saying, how dare you think about withholding the Blessed Sacrament from me? Of course, they wouldn't call it the Blessed Sacrament. I think so often they think so little of what the Eucharist is. They see it as not Jesus Christ not as required to prepare one's soul. And so they promote policies that are against church teaching, primarily abortion. There's a difference between saying, I can understand why some would choose abortion. I can't, but there's a difference. And then promoting it. Not only promoting it, but making us pay for it as taxpayers. I think we need to discern and that's just one way, one, one particular thing. But all of us need to discern, what is this? Who is this that I received this day? Am I prepared? Have I really discerned this is Jesus Christ, my Lord and my God? Back to that day of the Episcopalian Church. If this is just a symbol, I want no part of it. If this is just a calling to mind, like remembering a silly thing that happened to me in the past, it's meaningless. But if this is Jesus Christ, 
And it is. It means everything. It means then I have to live my life differently, striving to be better every time I come to the Eucharist, every time I'm drawn in. I need to discern, am I prepared to receive the bread of life, Jesus Christ who comes from heaven?